it goes right, it's a slice. If it goes left, it's a hook. If it goes straight, it's a miracle. This is Out of Bounds. If it's happening in the world of golf, we're talking about coverage, debate, discussion, pro golf, and local golf. Let's do it. This is Out of Bounds. And here are your hosts, Nate Sharman and Josh Derso. Hello and welcome to another Out of Bounds podcast here on FingerLakes1.com. I am Nate Sharman, joined by, as always, Josh Durso. We got some no-cut news out of the PGA Tour. Let's get right into it. Oh, yeah, we do. We do. The uh, Tour Board has approved a new scheduling approach for the 2024 season. We've got reduced fields in some select designated events, so they will be turned into no-cut events. Uh, It's not going to apply to all of the uh, elevated events, but... A handful of them, right? Um, feels world golfy, feels like live, feels yes. like a lot of things. I know you have some, you have some feelings about it. Right. Um, you, you aren't a fan. No, uh, not at all. I don't like no cut events. Uh, it's just if we we've talked so much this year, this past calendar year, about how bad live events are with no cut, with sixty player, with fifty to seven. This is going to be a little bit more than the fifty four players in live. It's going to be more like 70 to 78. They have outlined how you get into these so far. Not too intricate at this point. The top 50 in the rankings, top 10 from last year that aren't in the 50, top 50 from this year will get in. And then a few more exemptions other ways that get you to about 70 to 78 players estimated. They're looking at about eight elevated events next year out of the, I think it's like in the low teens or maybe even, even smaller than that total for elevated events. But yeah, not a big fan. Um, this year we've seen so many fun events that have been not the no cut events besides that first one that we had no, with no cut with the, with the uh, century, which is usually a no cut event, but that's okay. Having a few of them is fine, but I don't really want to watch 70 players, you know, play a no cut event. It just kind of, it feels kind of repetition and boring eight times a season or, or more than eight times a season. Now that could happen. I mean, I think. Well, to that point, I think people could get frustrated or tired of seeing John Rahm yeah. every single week doing what he's been doing with this past weekend being an exception. Um, I like it. I, I, I don't think it's necessary, yeah. which is kind of the weird part for me. Like, I feel like this was something that um, the, the tour had already created you know, these high profile events and that I thought were that was going necessary to what they're doing this year. Keep, I thought that right. was necessary. So like why take this extra step? It feels more like a response to potential uh, pressure that sponsors were maybe putting on the tour to um, have more value given that they are having to pony up more uh, for to be like lead sponsor of these high profile events. I don't know. Like to me, it just doesn't, I don't see how it changes much because at the end of the day, um, we'll use the last three weeks as an example, um, or the last three elevated events as an example. Sunday afternoon, you're watching the best handful of players, household names, come down the stretch and battle to get a win, and then ultimately get that win on 16 or 17 or 18 because they made a putt or they played really right. well. You're not going to remember that there wasn't a cut. You're not going to care that there wasn't a cut. Yeah, but maybe you have a guy like Kirk Kitayama knock it in. I'm not sure what his standing would be if he would be in or not. It'd be close for him. I think the tour is going to 
have to build a fix in to that. And if it hasn't already been thought of, it will be thought of. Yeah. I, I don't see a scenario where the tour, you know, waters this. I know they're, you know, you've got a couple uh, James Hahn types uh, on social media who've made a very big deal about how this is how the, the haves get bigger and right. win more money and the have nots are just going to struggle. And, you know, I, my answer to that is the non-elevated events are essentially gimmies to the non-elevated players. That's a good point. Because the non the the elevated player, the players that are in the top 50 or top 70 or whatever it winds up being, by and large aren't participating in these events. Right. You know, we haven't seen more than maybe like two or three players any given week out of the top 20 or top whatever 30, 40, 50 play in these non-elevated events. So they're have they're getting an opportunity. That's fantastic. Um, that's frankly probably better because they don't they don't have to compete against John Rom. Right. That's like, what one of the guys said. One of the lower like have nots, if you will, said, you know, yeah. it's gonna be nice to not have to play against John Rom. Right. So that's a good point. That that's one thing I, I don't think I thought about initially with the news. I also think the tour probably has an opportunity at that point to start to introduce more secondary events. We see it throughout the season yeah, every now and then when there's right. field events. Yep. Um, probably see some more of those pop up. There will have to be, yeah, opposite um, of these elevate these eight elevated events. There, they'll need to yeah. be some, somewhere for these guys to play. Yeah, and again, great opportunity to make some money if you're and I'll have watch not. And I'll watch when, those. Right, and you know, you're dedicated. You're dedicated golf fans who I think are frustrated with the idea that. Um, the guys that aren't household names, you know, the ones, the people like you and I who like the stories, the I love stories the story behind the players that aren't really household names, you're still going to have an opportunity for those stories to be told. But when it comes to actually selling a product to millions of people, consumers who are going to sit in front of a TV, you need Rory McIlroy, you need your big names, you need right. the Tiger, you need all of those players that are currently household names. Um, to, to be there Saturday and Sunday. Yeah, that's You can't have them there Thursday and Friday and then just not be there, you know, Saturday and Sunday. I guess my only argument to that is they have been there. The cream has risen to the, the crop. You know, we've seen star-studded leaderboards so far in these elevated events. My DFS lineup the last three weeks would argue otherwise because I have gotten blanked with a couple guys missing cuts. Um, Justin Rose, I'm looking at you and maybe a couple other other players. Well, you're not going to miss cuts next you know, year in these events. I, I profile. But the WGC oh. events that we've seen no cut events in the last few years, they haven't been extremely popular. I mean, they've been somewhat popular. No, I think it's interested it, to see. It kind I feel like it becomes this throwaway idea. It's basically this throwaway rule that doesn't really have a huge impact on anything. Because again, if we're seeing good finishes week in and week out, right? Sunday afternoon when people, when golf fans across the board really care, really give a damn. That's really all that matters. Right. Right. Like the rest of it doesn't really matter that much. So let's get into the Arnold Palmer. That was a, a Sunday Amazing. that we had. It was a, a lot weekend. of fun. A star-studded leaderboard. Kurt Kitayama comes out on top, gets his first career PGA Tour win, and didn't have didn't get it easily as he you know he held the 36-hole lead after Saturday, made a triple bogey on nine. Did you see the picture of where, where his ball ended up? I did, yeah. Incredible. So he had his drive right on, on nine, and it was no more than eight inches out of bounds. Yep. And the best part of it, too, Josh, he just left it there. Yeah. Just didn't just left it there, and, and yeah, he, ended up making, he ended up making a, a triple <laughs> bogey with that with that penalty shot. And 
But and then he made then he made eight straight pars after that, or seven seven straight pars after that, which were a lot of good pars too, especially at the Arnold Palmer course on Sunday, which fa- was faced windy conditions, crispy greens, hard to hold those greens for sure. So uh, credit to Kirk Kitayama. Not a lot of guys are making birdies. Kirk Kitayama steps up, knocks in a good a good decent putt on seventeen, and then makes a nice par on eighteen, almost made birdie on eighteen to win his first PGA Tour event. Three point six million dollars in the pocket for Kirk Kitayama. Yeah, awesome weekend. Also loved seeing how difficult Bay Hill played. Oh like, yeah. Like wasn't expecting that at all. Number nine averaged uh, four tenths of a stroke over par. That's the second hardest hole played so far this year on tour. Yeah, the winner. I actually just completely, completely unexpected. Um, and that was coming into it, and we're gonna talk more about it later, but um that was coming in one of my concerns with elevated events in general, that if the tour wasn't going to work hard to make um, these venues more challenging, more major like right. that, perhaps they could get boring because yeah. there is some, you know, if John Rahm is going to go shoot 20 under par every weekend, you know, that can be frustrating to, mm-hmm. to some, some golf fans. Yeah. Well, credit to Kirk Kitayama. I mean, we've talked so much about elevated events, right? And Rory talked about it too, how you have to, you know, for lack of a better term, play better to get into these elevated events. Kirk Hidiyama is a guy who's been on every single tour, it seems, as of late. He's been on the Corn Ferry Tour. He's won there. He's been on a couple of different tours that have gotten to eventually qualified last year in the Corn Ferry Tour Finals for the PGA Tour, got his card back, won this event. So kudos to, to Kitayama. You know, he did what he needed to do to get in this event. And then he went and won the damn thing against a lot of really good players on Sunday. Yeah. And, you know, I think it debunks the idea that, you know, only the only the best, the the real best in the world are going to be able to to win these tournaments. Like clearly anybody can win any week. Um, You know, it goes back to the point that, you know, the difference between the guys that get into these events and the guys that are just on the outside isn't much. So I think when we really start to see some churn, when this system really gets going, um, I think it would be really cool because you could have guys that perhaps didn't qualify for the last um, the the last elevated event and then win an elevated event and you know a few weeks later right and that is just kind of the the dynamic that I think once this thing gets going the tour is really going to be able to lean into and it will make it more that will make it will add extra layer of interest in all of this stuff that 3.6 million is just life-changing money for Kurt Kitayama coming in he'd made about two and a half million ish playing pro golf Yep. Now more than doubles his career earnings. That's crazy. Uh, gets some sponsor exemptions into a few events remaining in the year. Gets status as a winner on PGA on the PGA Tour. Um, yeah, it's just unbelievable for Kurt. Um, definitely was nice to finally see an, a non-big fish win an elevated event. Yeah, I was. Absolutely. I didn't have a problem with you know like the John Rams, the, the Schefflers playing well in those events and and securing wins. I didn't have a problem with that at all because we none of them were runaways. Yeah. But it was kind of nice to see a guy that, you know, went up against the trees, right? You know, you had you had Rory, you had, well, JT didn't play well on Sunday, but you had Scheffler, you had all these guys playing really well on Sunday and, and Kitty Ahmed stepped up to the plate, hit it out of the park. Jordan Spieth had a share of the lead. Yeah, Jordan for, Spieth, yeah. Had a share of the lead for, did you, you see know, the putt he made? Did you see the putt he made where he, he hit it and he like did the Jordan Spieth thing where he was pissed and then it went in? Yep. And the several that he missed and admitted. Yeah, his putter got of himself. really cold on the back nine. Um, it was really, really, really cold. He made, he started, I think he started birdie, 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 or, or three of his first four. Yeah. And then he had that stretch where, you know, I believe two of the three of the putts that he missed 
uh, that would have saved par were like inside of five feet. Yeah. And up until that point, he hadn't missed anything inside five feet. Right. So it was just a, a tough. That's that is Jordan Spieth golf. Yeah. To a T. I love watching. Super Jordan hot, super cold. He can hit some incredible shots, but um, if something's going to let him down, it seems to be his driver or his putter, yeah. and they always seem to let him down at the worst possible time. It's fun to watch Jordan's feet though, because he's always chatting with Greller. Greller's always telling him, he's always chatting with Greller or himself. And he's, he's, seems like he's beating himself up, but that's just kind of the way he plays and well, the way he's always been. And it's always so amplified, right? Like yeah. uh, him playing poorly, like, you know, a lot of people would view how he played this past weekend now as playing poorly because he basically had a bad stretch of like four holes right. on Sunday, but he is so close. He is so close. If he gets that putter figured out, it really like he could he's and he is one of those guys that you know could run off a two or three win stretch over the course of a month or a month and a half and absolutely no one would be surprised i'd much rather watch him yell at himself or growler or, <laughs> or anything than going to a sponsor's interview on the back nine at the arnold palmer where we can't see golf shots for uh, upwards of five to ten minutes because we're doing an interview in the cabin yeah that was tough that was really tough. not a banner week for nbc it took no. a lot of heat on Twitter for they, their they coverage. De they deserved it. I mean, yeah. you have to, you've got to prioritize play. And I, I think the only, the missing piece right now for the changes that the tour has made is not exerting any more control over the product that's getting shown on CBS right. or NBC. Um, CBS has done a good job, I think. And so has the Golf Channel. Um, golf Channel's done a good job. Now, the interesting thing to me is, you know, the golf channel is owned by NBC, right? Like this is like, how, how yeah. can the product be that much different? Just the sponsors have been kicking in so much more money for those big elevated events, right? Right. That's the only thing I can come to. And so you know, control the product. I think at the end of the day, they're going to have to do something to fix. You know, I do think the model that we saw earlier this year with CBS having like a title sponsor with that last hour. Yeah, that was golf and then just yeah, just running it all the way. I think that's the model. Right. It's probably just going to take a while for all the networks to get their ducks in a row. And yeah, let's hope you know. NBC can figure it out because it's just tough when you you saw like Harris English played well all day Sunday, but you wouldn't have known it. I mean, yeah, I had no idea. Yeah, until the last couple holes when they finally showed them. But we got another fun event, another elevated event, right? This Big. week, the Players Championship at TBC Sawgrass, often tabulated as the fifth major. We could talk about that, whether we, we agree with that or not. I mean, we have, we've had some fifth major talk here on the bounds last few weeks, but just a lot of fun. One of my favorite events of the year, I would call it a fifth major. I'm okay with that. It's just got a great final finishing holes, part five, 16th. That's gettable. 17th. We obviously know about the Island green, you know, a short mm -hmm. part, a short part three, but it's an Island green. So it's very intimidating. And then 18 is one of the finish hardest finishing holes. In my opinion, water up all down the left side, part four. So especially tough when you're holding that lead, but. We finally made it to Sawgrass. We can call the players the original elevated event. Yes. Right? The original elevated event. Before right. elevated events, this was the one with the gigantic purse compared to, uh, you know, other events. I think it still has a little bit higher um, purse than some of yeah. the other events. And, you know, I, I think that the the lore around this event, the, the tour kind of has um, a few events now, I think, that are kind of in between these elevated events and majors this being one of them, uh, WM Open being another one, mm -hmm. um, that they're probably going to find a way to capitalize on in the future. They just have to figure out how they're going to do that. Because obviously, these events mean a hell of a lot more to 
uh, the players right. and also to golf fans in general because they're so identifiable. Like yeah. obviously the Island Green 17 is so identifiable, but mm-hmm. even just in general, the back nine of Sawgrass is something that that golf fans and even you know more casual golf fans can there's visual cues that they they remember even if they aren't watching it every right. single year every round and it's similar to the phoenix open too it's got a little bit of, of stadium golf course vibes to it you know it's not fully a stadium course but definitely has some vibes to it let's get in the biggest storyline though last year's winner cameron smith <laughs> obviously can't play this year because he's on the live tour um they're doing an, inter- an interview with him um, and they're talking to him about what he's going to do um this week during the players championship hilarious he, he's unveils that he lives around there and that he might attend the Players' Championship as a fan. Maybe he'll just show up. I think that would be the wildest thing ever. Do they let him in? Like, can they, can they stop him from yeah. coming in? No, I think he's let him in. I, I also don't think he does anything if he gets in. He's not... Oh, yeah, he's just going to watch the golf. He's team. not a troublemaker. Like, he's literally just going to wander around like a fan. Right. And, you know, I think the media would care more than anybody else that he's there. He'd probably be treating it like a fan. Yeah. And he'd probably, obviously, he'd have you know, some security and whatnot so that he wasn't, you know, getting in into any spots where he wouldn't want to with, with fans around. Cause this is obviously one of the more heavily attended events through the year, but no, I don't, I wouldn't see any issue with him showing up. He'd have his live golf clothes on his He'd t-shirt. Asked, he was asked if he would heckle anybody. And he said, no, he said, no. I mean, of course he wouldn't. Right. He's not a heckler. What do you think? I mean, what do you think? Is it's it like a, it's kind of a non-story? Like, I just think it's funny that he said what he said. It's awesome. I always, I always love when golfers say something that's not like patent, right? Like it's they're not they're just often, a scripted. They're kind of often, yes, thing. golfers and you know another sport that I like a lot. Hockey players are often scripted in their interviews. You know they really yeah. say what they're designed to say, whether it be their PR staff or just knowing how to speak to the media. They're very good at that. So it's always fun to watch someone kind of say something different. I would love to see Cam Smith there. You know, you know me. I'm a, I'm a Cam Smith fan. I'd love to see him playing golf too. This week at Sawgrass. Okay, let's get into our picks for the week. We'll look at our past champions. Obviously, Cameron Smith last year. 2021 was JT. We skipped 2020 due to the pandemic. 2019, Rory. 2018 was Siwoo Kim. It's interesting. This is a this is a very interesting um, this is a very interesting tournament for a lot of reasons. Yep. You know what? I think um, if we're talking about picks. You know, Patrick Cantley, to me, he's to he's, him. he's an easy pick because we've literally watched him just hang around for the last, what, three, four weeks. Yep. It's just he's there last been week. around. Yeah. Um, and his odds are not as low as you'd expect. Mm-hmm. Um, he's at plus 1,600. Number two on tour for birdies per round at, you know, 5.18. Um, and then looking at the last dozen or so years this tournament the the winner has finished at 12 under or better going back to 2009 12 out of the last 13 starts so this is not a low scoring bay hill style event this will be one where the winner does finish between probably 12 and 16 under par so that's going to that's going to set up well for guys like Patrick Cantley who have just piled on birdies all oh, year consistently right what do you think of so I'm going with the same pick I had last week. He didn't win. He came in right around the top 20, maybe just outside the top 20 with Justin Thomas. He's won here before, as I, I mentioned, you know, back a couple of years ago where he was able to win this tournament. He's been seeming to play a little bit better here um, as of late at plus 1,800. I just like like the value on JT. 
a great a great odds boost going on on DraftKings right now, plus 250 to any of the odds on the outrights. So I got JT at about 20 to 1. So I think that's a pretty good um, thing. Another good odds boost, I think it's on FanDuel. They're boosting hole-in-one on 17. Oh, love to see it. So that's just fun. We saw one last year yeah. with Shane Lowry. He made yeah. a one. So it's you know it's a short part part three about 100 and I think it's like 137 yards tougher smaller field, yeah. <laughs> so I mean it's it's but it's just a fun bet you know just something yeah. to just throw I just threw 10 bucks on it and see what happens. All right, long watch. shot bets. What are we, what are we thinking for a, for a long shot pick? Guy that I just mentioned, Shane Lowry, yeah. 35 to one played well as of late. Um, we've we've seen him in, on the leaderboards here and there. Made that one last year at 17, so he clearly likes his golf course. So I'm going with the uh, with Shane Lowry. I'm going with Justin Rose because I look at what he does. He's kind of been hot and cold the last month, month and a half. Odds at plus 66, which is, I mean, really high for a guy who's, you know, basically top top 10 golfer in the world. One on tour um, this year, right? Yeah. Well, he's number one on tour for putting 20 to 25 feet, 34-ish uh, percent make rate. Uh, number two in sand saves and approaches from the rough inside 150. Like those are two f- figures when you're talking about a week where scoring is going to be, you know, the most important thing, not just surviving like we saw last weekend, but actually scoring, making birdies. Right. I think he's a guy that that could be in position, and I wouldn't be surprised if he's you know hanging around in the top five on Sunday. I know just who Paul's producer Paul's picking Ricky Fowler of course former TPC Sawgrass <laughs> champion back in 2015 yeah that was the the prime Ricky right like, there that feels like it was so long ago yeah I went and watched, watched the video it's it's unbelievable shot that he hit on 17 in the playoff yeah he hit it you know the famous pin position obviously on the right side Tucked of that green on the right side yeah. he hit it between the water and the pin to about yeah six feet yeah it's an incredible golf shot under immense immense pressure right so Paul picking Ricky if I had to bet and uh, also Paul won again for our DraftKings last week <laughs> we all finished pretty far out of the money I would say oh, yeah. I was in the back 10% almost in dead last with a couple guys missing the cut so another win for Paul what do you yeah. have to say Paul do you have any uh, any any words don't gloat Paul don't gloat to to be fair I did finish top half in the pool but yeah it was, oh. it was a rough week uh what are you gonna do none of us none of us have made money yet on any of this so there's that i've placed a couple times really early in the year yeah it's been a few weeks for me but i've made a couple bucks let's try it again this week for uh tpc sawgrass my my lineup headlined by my outright pick justin thomas i also got your your outline outright pick in patrick cantlay rounding out with shane lowry keith mitchell davis riley and that case himself jordan spieth so I've got uh, Scotty Scheffler as my number one pick. I've got Patrick Cantley as my number two pick. Uh, then we round out with uh, Keegan Bradley, uh, Sam Burns, who I think is due. Guys do. Like, I I feel like I've been banging this drum last for week. A, a, a whole six-month span. Um, Ricky Fowler and <laughs> Kurt Kitayama. Um, I think momentum, oh, is a, back. momentum is a good thing. I think he could have a good weekend. I don't know that he's going to win, but um, I could see him having a nice, healthy top 10, top 15 finish, which would be great that. for the DFS lineup. It's all about straight. This is all about straight. I'm not, I'm not trying to pick, you know, six winners here. I'm just trying to pick six guys who are going to, you know, actually make the cut, right. which has been a struggle for me the last. Yeah, that's the battle. Last several weeks. <laughs> God. 
So, Paul, who you got over there? Yeah, so Ricky or not <laughs> Ricky's in my lineup. I don't know why my mind went to Ricky, but Rory, Rory's my number one. Uh, I've kind of rode Rom here for a few weeks, but I think we'll switch it up. Go go Rory this week. Smart. Um, my second pick, even though like budget wise, it appears as though it'd be Colin Morikawa. I actually went with with Victor Hovland before I took Colin. So. He struggled on Sunday. Yeah, he really yeah. Did. I, 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 I'm not a huge fan of my six. Uh, after uh, obviously the top three, I got Ricky. I went Detry. Uh, believe he's Belgian, uh, but uh, I think he's a decent value get. I mean, he's averaging uh, just under seventy fantasy points per per weekend, and at seventy one hundred, I just kind of have to roll with it on uh, Aaron Badley as well. So I'm not. They're all gambles at that point. Yeah, I'm not a big fan, really, of honestly my bottom half, and that does include Ricky as much as I'd love for him to kind of ride. Paul always um, got two golf boys on his team. But yeah, he's, listen, Ricky, Ricky <laughs> could. I mean, Ricky is a, a he's a past winner. He's a past winner. He could, yeah. he could, he could show up. You never know. But That's then again, sure. I, I've won three of our of our five of the collective pool here. Oof. So I mean, who knows? He had to rub that in. <laughs> yeah, well, he had to rub that in. I think right. anyone could have beat me last week, guys. I almost came in last. Let's get into the biggest talking point after Sunday. Um, Rory's uh, not understanding how golf fans could possibly yeah appreciate or like watching or find entertainment value in guys making bogeys coming down the stretch. Yeah, he was quoted after in the press conference saying he doesn't understand how the lead changing via bogeys is better than the lead changing via birdies. And the golf world responded with, you have it totally backwards, Rory. Um, and in my mind, anyway, I think it's fun to see the you know, lead change with bogeys here every once in a while. I don't want to see that every week. I do like to see the birdie fest here and there, and you will continue to see that. But that, that yesterday, I think Rory was just kind of hot off the moment. You know, he didn't win the event. So I think that's kind of why that came out like that. I, I bet you if you asked Rory, he would rather say it in a different way somebody's going to ask him about it this weekend right they have to somebody undoubtedly someone will because he'll be ready for it this time it was like roundly every quarter of golf of golf world twitter whatever you want to call it felt the same way yeah this is what it's okay bogeys are okay right it's relatable it's more relatable for for somebody who's sitting on their couch watching golf on sunday they're not getting paid millions of dollars to play golf. Like it's relatable. It makes you look human. And also, by the way, um, you know, you want to talk about the least relatable thing in the world, watching guys like John Rahm or anybody shoot, you know, 28 under at the Sony open or whatever the case may be at some of these turns. I think of the ones in Hawaii in the beginning of the year that just become outrageous, right. you know, 25 or more under par over the course of a weekend. That is completely unrelatable. There isn't anything that's, yeah. you know, fun about watching these guys just destroy golf courses. And I think what you've what you've said too, Josh, is there's a good a sweet spot that you can find. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. My I, I think like having thought about this a little bit since our we texted about it on Sunday, you know, I think like the sweet spot for me between scoring and difficulty is somewhere between like seven under and eleven under for a four round golf tournament. Right. And it's interesting, too. I mean, Kiyama finished at nine under. Rom was seven under after the first day. Yeah. I mean, Rom didn't have the best couple three, next three I mean, days. He stretch, shot back to back 76s. So yeah, that'll, that'll hurt you. They, 
they uh, asked him what changed and he was, and he said, it's really effing hard out there. That's what he said yeah. in the interview. <laughs> I mean, it, and that just proves that like, you know, it's, you know, what we talked about last week, we said, this isn't that long of a golf course, but right. they can make these golf courses challenging and difficult without one, them being 76 or 77 or 7,800 yards and two, without killing them, right. like without ki- like what some of the things we've seen in the past with the U S open. Right. So, you know, this is doable. I think this is probably going to be something along the lines of the setup that we see with probably at least half of the elevated events moving forward. The only thing I get worried about with making it more difficult is then you get guys to play defensive. You know, they're hitting it to spots on the greens where they're 50 feet, 50, 60 feet away, and they're just making a pile of pars. And I think that can be challenging for the average golf viewer. You know, at, at one end, you do, I know we're talking about the relatable sense, but you do want to see birdies. You want to see guys sitting and in tight. You want to see guys taking chances. So you get these challenging golf course guys that are going to play defensive. You know, they're going to hit it to spots, play target golf, and, you know, try to make fours instead of fives or threes. They're really going to be focused on, you know, trying not to really hurt themselves. I don't think you'd see guys doing that unless the weather was really a factor. You saw that a little bit on Sunday. Yeah, to some degree. But I mean, at the same time, you know, it was still an awesome product. Oh overall. my God, it was the best of the best. I mean, maybe recency bias is a little bit for me, but I loved, I was glued on Sunday. Like it's a, it's a golf course. And also like, I think with a lot of these events, you know, Bay Hill, they're there every year. Right. These guys know, these guys know this golf course. Like they're not going to play defensively the way they, yeah. you know, the way we see guys play in the U S open, you know, when it's at a, at a course that is truly like just on the brink of life and death. Yeah. That golf course um, means so much to them too with Arnold Palmer. That's yeah. you can just tell how yeah. much it means to them. So, you know, I, I like it. I like it. What do you think the sweet spot is for scoring? I agree with you. I like that seven to 11, seven to 11 range. Yeah. But yeah, I, I just, I still get, go back to just having trouble every week. If we do that every single week, I think sprinkling in some birdie fest at the right time, it's a lot of fun to watch. I think that's it. I think there's enough of it. Cause like this weekend I, you could use, I guess this past weekend is a really good example. Like, Thursday, John Rahm goes out and everybody like there were a bunch of like four and five, yeah. you know, four, five, six unders. So they went out, they scored and then conditions got a little tighter. Things got a little tougher. And yeah, there we were like at a, you know, Sunday right. afternoon and minus eight, minus nine, you know, for a while we thought there might be a playoff at minus seven or minus eight. Minus eight was my prediction. On so, Sunday, yeah. you know, like it was, it was definitely, um, I think that's the the right spot to be. I don't think anybody would complain or notice if all of these elevated events finished in that seven to eleven right. range. They think, oh, this is yeah, and it does make the win sweeter too for Kitayama. I mean, he hit a really good golf shot on seventeen that par three with with water yep. on the right side. He hit it in there to about I mean, almost about twenty five feet, and then rolled in the putt. It never veered from the center of the cup. Perfect yep. pace, just right in the heart. I so think that makes it even better too to see a guy that goes out and gets it. Yeah. I always love to see that. I mean, I think wasn't I, giving it. I think back to how I'm not sure if it was two or three weeks ago um, when coming down the stretch, it was kind of like um, Max Homa and John Rom kind of like had a shootout. Yeah, coming down the stretch, and I I think back to that. It's like, yes, that's exciting, but I tell you what, it will get very tiring to the average golf fan if they just see 
John Rahm and Max Homa or Rory McIlroy or whoever, you know, the top top five to seven golfers in the world just birdieing the hell out of the golf course coming down the back nine on Sunday. Right. Like they expect a little bit of challenge then. Yeah. So, you know, I, I think the tour will be creative in how they they set these things up, these events up so that they get a good mixed bag of both. But I think they they should lean more into the the challenging side of things because Bay Hill was awesome. Agreed. All right, that's enough for today, Josh. We'll be back next week with another episode of the of the Out of Bounds podcast here on FingerLakes1.com. Be sure to follow us over on TikTok and Twitter at Out of Bounds Golf Pod. Always posting fun clips and analysis from the events. And remember, whether it's down the middle or out of bounds, keep on swinging. You've been listening to Out of Bounds. If it's coverage, debate, or discussion of pro and local golf, we'll be talking about it. Be sure to visit the website at fingerlakes1.com. Find us on TikTok, Instagram, and Twitter at Out of Bounds FL1. See you next time on Out of Bounds.